Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. If you would have told me in January that Steve Eisman, within a few hours of free agency opening, made one, two, three, four, five, you know, significant signings with a couple of couple depth signings in there. And then we were recording later that evening, well into the evening, and we were still stupid for doing so and likely risking another signing coming if not during the recording, soon after, if you told me all that like six, seven months ago, I would have laughed in your face. But Eisenman apparently got bored today. I don't know. <laughs> he had a few shots of espresso. He he just took a look back at all those uh, Iser plan questions that he got from reporters where they're like, how far are you into the Iser plan? And he's like, well, I'm, I've been here for three years, so I'll say three years. And he was just like, ah, time to turn the corner and just bam, 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 bam. Remember that 8-2 loss to Phoenix? That's, what nine, that's where it all 9-2? Yeah. That's where it all began. <laughs> I was, was going to say, if he woke up at 7 a.m., Free agency opened at noon. That would have given him just enough time to watch the 9-2 Coyotes game and the 11-1 Penguins game. Every time they pan <laughs> to him grinding his teeth, that was him figuring out another big, heavy free agent that was going to be a pain in the ass to play against that he's going to sign. Every time he watched the power play, he just started Googling right-handed wingers. <laughs> Every time Danny DeKaiser touched the puck, he just Googled left-handed defenseman. This was the craziest free agency first day that we've experienced covering the Red Wings since we've started the podcast easily. The NHL's got a couple W's lately. Oh, yeah. Top 10 of the draft was absolutely bananas, and today was also bananas. Just even going to last night, just peak entertainment value. This has been tremendous. Oh, it's been a, tra- a tremendously entertaining offseason. If if Eisman did two of the five moves, we would still be we would still have a like rather significant episode in terms of content, like what's going to happen with the Red Wings, what does this mean for the the rebuild, who's on the outs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it didn't stop. Sometime like a like three and a half hours later, I was like, I haven't had a sip of water all day. I had I don't know if I've eaten anything. I kind of just blacked out. Are we doing the Mark Stahl moment of silence at the beginning or the end of the podcast? Oh, we're gonna have a whole other episode. It's a thousand minutes long for the number of games he played. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he ripped a piss missile off the post, it's another half hour of silence. I agree. We honor we honor our heroes. We're gonna do podcast. a month of silence leading up to the start of the season <laughs> in honor of Mark Stahl. <laughs> that was rather sad, just seeing all the names like fly through the timeline. It's just like Mar- uh, Mark Stahl to to Car- it's Carolina, Florida, Florida. Him and yeah, Mark Stahl and um, and Eric. Eric Stahl to Florida on a PTO. You saw that fly by on the timeline. You're like, you served. You I served don't know how well. to feel. My emotions can't take anymore. <laughs> Thank you for your service. All right, folks, free agent frenzy. Steve Eisenman uh, has given us quite a bit to work with, so let's not delay any longer. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Doing our best to to cover all the mayhem from today. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. 
On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, you guessed it, it is going to be all things Detroit Red Wings free agency related. Uh, we'll be talking about every single one of their signings, Cop, Mata, Sherat, Perron, Kublik, uh, the depth players. We'll be giving overall impressions. Maybe we'll do some arbitrary grades because I know everyone loves that. Thoughts, uh, compare the signings to projections. Rest yeah. of the league? We'll get into the rest of the league as well. We'll get into the cap space Detroit has has still. We'll get into who's still available for free agency, and uh, I think what just whatever else time allows, really. Ohio, the sister city of Magnitogorsk. <laughs> <laughs> the whole state's a sister city. I stand by what I said. Columbus, Ohio, where the East meets the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just before we started recording, uh, Johnny Goudreau signed in Columbus, Ohio. Just in case today was feeling. A- normal for anyone left in the hockey world that that bombshell was dropped now normal left the station when vegas just gave away max patcheretti i'm telling you it was freaking wild (laughs) all right before we get into all that uh i first want to acknowledge that um so much of what we do on this podcast uh and a lot of the initiatives that we run are in support of the jamie daniels foundation uh they're an organization we're very very proud to partner with they do a lot of fa- fantastic work uh, in striving to end the stigma of substance use disorder and providing support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. It's a Children's Foundation initiative that was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. To learn more and offer your, your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Okay, um, jumping into free agency let's let's give a lead into the day there was quite a bit of noise uh, surrounding the red wings pre free agency in general but the 24 hours before was just flooded with information um none of it is going to be surprising what was coming in was the red wings are going to aggressively target the big name centers because this was a almost atypically deep center pool in terms of free agency, and that meant Cop, that meant Trocek. And while he was looking to be available for a lot of what we heard was Evgeny Malkin in there too, um, they were going to target defense, especially on the left side, and just in general, they were going to be putting out quite a few offers. So it's not often you have that much to, to glean in terms of what Steve Eisenman is going to do, but I guess when you're strategy is go out and get you know a big list of people who can help your team yeah that that noise is going to be there so we kind of had an inkling that today would be busy a couple hours before indications came out it was going to be um andrew cop going to detroit the ann arbor native uh it looked like that was who was going to land over trocheck um those were the two big names left especially after malkin went back to pittsburgh so it ultimately landed in uh, at essentially 12 o'clock. Andrew Kopp was uh, signed by the Detroit Red Wings. Five years, $5.625 million. Let's start with that contract. Uh, who Andrew Kopp is as a player, where he'll be on the Red Wings, and your overall takes on the contract. So who Andrew Kopp is as a player is a very well-rounded 200-foot centerman who also could play either of the wing positions if needed. So let's say in two years, Marco Casper is very ready for the second line center role. That does not mean that Andrew Kopp has to keep him out of that spot. 
because he can shift up or down the lineup and from center to wing. Um, very good defensively, very good on the PK, capable in the power play, capable offensively, uh, more of a passer than a shooter. Um, if you went up and looked at his stats this past season, um, enjoy your optimism. That was the only season he produced at that rate, but the two previous seasons were still very good. So if you look at his last two full seasons in Winnipeg, that should give you a better idea of who he actually is as a player. Cause you know, one season is usually the aberration. And then you look at the, the whole picture and you get a better idea of where he is, which he is about a 50 to 60 point center is probably what he'll be for the next couple of years. He's 28 which is very relevant when you sign a five-year contract. So is he going to be a 50-point center by the end of this contract? Almost certainly not, but it would be a pleasant surprise if he is. So the risk with this contract isn't from Andrew Kopp, the player. It's from Andrew Kopp, the typical human being who ages. Um, some players do buck that trend, but history has taught us far more don't than do. The mitigating factor that kind of eases I don't know what to call it. The risk on the term here is that a lot of people do project that in two to three years, the salary cap should rise significantly. Yeah. So while cop declines, like most players, when they turn 30 do his percentage of the cap will also drop, which will be relevant because by the end of this contract, and obviously it will apply to the Sherat contract. when we talk about this as well, those contracts will still be there. When Sider's under his ex- new extension, Raymond's under his new extension, ideally Larkin and Bertuzzi are under their new contracts then, ideally Nedeljkovic is under his new contract then. So just because the Red Wings have a billion dollars in cap space today and they still have a million, 11 million left after <laughs> everything they did today, it doesn't mean there's no risk with this contract. Now, that being said, based on what the Red Wings needed, who was available this was about their best case scenario because after seeing what Trocheck signed for, Oof. I'd like Trocheck better as a player than Andrew Kopp, but I was not giving a guy who's a year older two extra years of term. Um, I don't think Malkin would have been nice, but I don't think it was ever actually going to get to 12 p.m. today. No, between him and Pittsburgh, no, Sidney Crosby was ready to yeah. choke out Ron Hextall. Uh, Nazem Kadri's 31 going on 32, so odds are dust. that, that wasn't... Dust. Oh, God. That contract's not going to play out Does well. Does he even have a meniscus anymore? Probably Honestly. not. So of, of the options available, if the Red Wings were hell-bent on getting a center today, this is about as good as they could expect, although it does come with risk. Yeah, that, that part at the end is is where I landed. So coming into the day, all I was hearing was money is flexible because of the Red Wings' infinite cap space coming in, but the turn was the real crux of it all. And it did end up working out this way, uh, but the first big signing, other than Marco Casper, actually, which we should get to after. 1201. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing troll job by the Red Wings and Steve Eisenman. Um, but the first major signing that came out was the one where the Red Wings broke on term to, and they got a, a more reasonable AAV. I'm going to be quoting the Evolving Hockey's uh, contract projections and Though not gospel, I I think they do a really fantastic job of just giving a benchmark of what teams can be expecting. The projected contract for Andrew Kopp was a four-year, $5.768 million per year contract. So the Red Wings, this is the only player of their signings where they went over. They gave him a five-year deal, so that one extra year of term. But they came in under on the AAV. 
it, it was uh what was it 5.625 or yep yeah they came in about 100 yeah. thou under give or take 5.625 so the the aav was fine and typically in unrestricted free agency you got to overpay and typically in unrestricted free agency for centers who are under 30 you really got to pay so if you just think about it for a second there was no world there really isn't a world where you're going to get a steal on a top six center and there's a lot of arguments saying that you know cop is a top six winger middle six center but for the red wings he's a top six center um there's not really a world where you get one of those at a steal so decent compared to market aav or, or contract value and you have to break maybe a year over what you wanted to on term maybe two obviously the ideal would be three years or four but i'm okay with it like and he brings what the red wings need like you said brad plays all three positions he'll be a centerman for the red wings he plays a hard game 200 feet he's responsible in both zones and he makes the red wings tougher to play again play against while being productive you cannot like the term but you can't deny that this contract solves a big problem for the red wings moving forward and he wants to be there yeah and arbor native apparently being close to home is a big deal this week <laughs> unless you're johnny yeah, unless your car breaks down in ohio um <laughs> but yeah I, I honestly think it's a win-win for both like you can both sides like you can split hairs over the over the length of the contract and the AV, but when you look around look at some of the money that was flying around today look at tampa they're spent 150 million bucks in eight minutes yeah um must be nice to have no income tax yeah no seller cap either <laughs> apparently not <laughs> um i think it's a real win-win like he'll get to play an elevated role on the red wings which is clearly something he's been longing to do ever since he was in winnipeg um and the team fills a need they desperately had to fill so I think it's a tidy piece of business, especially watching the other chaos that was going around in the NHL. The one thing we haven't seen yet, and I I mentioned this a bit on Twitter today, but I'm super curious about the structure of this contract because where the Red Wings could have played this to minimize the risk on a five years, if they front loaded this contract as much as the CBA would allow or even more and had no signing bonuses on his contract in those last couple of years, it could make it a very reasonable buyout if it goes horribly, which I don't expect it to. But if it does, yeah, it is a little bit of an insurance there. Because again, years three, four, five of this contract, I think it's reasonable to assume like this is when the Red Wings should be in the playoffs and hopefully trying to win some playoff series. So if Andrew Kopp has regressed to like a third line winger at best, that's still a usable piece, but you don't pay almost $6 million for that, right? So it could be a little bit of insurance in that. Um, and obviously, Eiserman's not a dummy. He's he's probably aware of the risk signing a 28-year-old to a five-year contract. Um, but yeah, overall, it's good. Um, he replaces the um, tinted visor quota we lost with Mark Stahl, <laughs> which is key. And then later in the day, we doubled it, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think what... The one interesting thing for me today, and obviously COP was the first signal that kicked it off, and then the rest of the day cemented it. Um, we had wondered what the direction for next year would be. Is it a Bedard year, or is it uh, take a step and get close to the playoffs year? 
it's it's a take a step year. They're, this team has no intentions on taking step backwards. They could trade Tyler Bertuzzi tomorrow, and they're still a better team than they were last year. Hundred percent. So, and we'll talk more about you know lines projections, how yeah. they're going to match up against Ottawa. Who I'm like, Eugene Melnick's gone, and Pierre Dorian's unleashed. <laughs> yeah, it's the summer of Pierre, hot Pierre summer. Like, but unironically, yeah, <laughs> he's having a good summer. But so are the Red Wings, thankfully. We're keeping up. You know what? Ever since I bumped into him, some weird cosmic event took place. Is this why you don't... Timeline split again. Is this why you don't let us physically touch you ever? You just hold too much power and you don't want to give us that good grace? I literally can't take that risk. My life is going too well right now. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying that in a 30-minute span, he almost bumps into Pierre Dorian and Chris Draper, and all of a sudden, both teams are on the up and up. Look at that. I'm just saying, coincidence... Didn't it, didn't run into Julian Breezebaugh. Look at them. They're just shelling out cash like it's going out of style. Yeah, and they've had no success. <laughs> Bums. I didn't see any Stanley Cups for them this year. Um, Brad, the, the point you want to make that I just want to circle back to very quickly about Cop. There's a few things saving those, those final years. One, uh, if the Red Wings make it that far in and then they're a competitive team and they still have them in years four and five, Let's say ideally Marco Caspers or second line center, and let's say ideally Joe Valeno or someone has that third line center locked down. Well, Cop can flip to the wing, and that's a really good way to preserve someone's game and help it age a little bit better. You can't skate, you can't move. You the effects of aging take a toll on your game. Playing center is exceptionally difficult to do, but flipping you to wing that's a good way to preserve that productivity. Also, like you mentioned, cap will go up, so that becomes a lower percentage of the cap hit there's just a lot of factors at play here that could be a saving grace. That's not to say, you know, this isn't a cop out there. That wasn't intentional. It's not a cop out. Like it is, it is a lot of term to give a 28 year old free agent. So it's not like, Oh, Eisenman can do no wrong. No, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, Cause he did some wrong. Today. There's the, the bench trade isn't going to be popular with a lot of people, but for this, for, for me personally, the risk of adding that extra term, to Andrew Kopp, it just makes a ton of sense. And yeah, with Trocheck off the board for seven years, uh, no thank you. I would happily take Kopp over this contract over Trocheck's anytime. Yeah, looking at what Trocheck got, understanding Malkin wasn't, it was basically Kopp or Dylan Strom. Uh, and Dylan Strom is still not signed, doesn't check every box that Eisenman looks for, and um, is more of a risk. Although that being said, they I could still, still sign him. They could still, they definitely could, and that wouldn't be a terrible move. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Cop was the safest bet there. And, you know, if Eisman woke up and this morning and he was like, yeah, we're not going backwards, this was the right play because the biggest hole on this roster was 2C. Now, is Andrew Cop an above-average second-line center in the NHL? No, Mm-mm. obviously not. His best-case scenario is he will be an average second-line center in the NHL. And, like, I mean, that's best-case scenario – but well, that's great. Um, the yeah, Red the Red Wings don't have the Red Wings those. haven't had a second line center in years, and you know, bless Pew Suter's heart for for doing it. But he was out of thirty two second line centers in the NHL. Like I think twenty eighth would be like best case scenario in a ranking. And that's not and that's teams who have like second line quality centers playing third fourth line. That's because I couldn't tell you who Arizona's second line center is. And I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks have a promo running right now where if you buy a lower bowl ticket, they actually give you the second line center role for that game. Is that is that what you were doing earlier today? You're getting your uh, your season tickets. You're going to get a contract with Chicago or you don't want that pay cut. I want none of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, 
Dylan Larkin is closer to a 2C than Pew Suter is, to illustrate it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Andrew Kopp. That is the Red Wings solution behind Dylan Larkin for the foreseeable future until, you know, Marco Casper is ready, uh, until... You know, let's see what happens with Joe Valeno and whatever the other moves might come out. There are some more centers now in the pipeline. So that was step one. And Eisenman did not, as a lot of people were saying, this was a market full of centers and he wanted his and he went out and got it. And then once the center hole was filled, don't say it. Anyways. um, Off to a bad start. Every Red Wings fan immediately looked to lefty. And that's exactly what Steve Eisenman did. Oli Mata coming in on a one-year contract, uh, $2.25 million. Low risk, just one year, uh, when his projected was four on the contract pre- projections. And the projected AAV was 3.122, and Eisenman got him at 2.25. I know it's Oli Mata, and I know he's nothing to write home about in terms of like, he's not a top pairing defenseman or anything like that. On this team, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Osterley was last year. So, um, but one year, low risk, 2.25 million. And he helps steady that, that blue line, especially on the left side. I love that. I know I'm a, you have to be a hockey nerd to, to love a one year Ole Mata signing for a, a good price on your left side, uh, left side of your defense. But I genuinely love that deal for Detroit. Well, one, it solves a huge problem, yeah. which is, you know, they need a defenseman on the left side who can actually defend. Mm-hmm. Didn't have one of those last year. Now they do. Because um, Ole Mata is very good defensively. He makes up for his lack of speed by being very defensively aware, plays his gaps well, has a good stick, good positioning. He brings nothing to the table offensively, but that uh, was the least of the Red Wings' concerns from their blue line last year. Um, and. It's a one-year contract, so even though the Red Wings do plan on taking a step forward this year, if by February that step forward isn't going to result in a playoff spot, Olimata will probably have some suitors and get you some value if you if you deem you don't want to extend him. So it's a no-risk contract, literally a zero-risk contract, and there's a lot of potential upside here. The... The defense needed complete revamping, right? Like we talked about that all last year. We've talked about it during the offseason. The defense had very few bright spots. They had a Calder Trophy winner, which is the only reason where you don't cry every time we saw the Red Wings defense. But, you know, we talk about those 9, 10, 11 goal games. That was partly on goaltending, for sure. Most of it, some games, was uh, was on goaltending. Hey, they might have solved that too. That was partly on, you know accountability from forwards sometimes some goals you're like wow that was a complete missed assignment why weren't you there x player on the red wings and it happened to all of them but if you have a weak defense where moritz sider is dragging uh danny de kaiser or you know bless him jordan osterley who should not have been put in that position it's just what the red wings had to work with you need a complete redo and only motto was the first indication of that um, I, I was talking to someone who knows his game and they said, you know, the Red Wings are getting a good one in him. Um, but things to watch out for are his skating, specifically the way he turns, uh, legitimately the way he pivots and turns around on the ice. Apparently it's a little bit, um, cumbersome and a little bit slow. So that's something to watch out for. Um, it's just a slow pivot. He still has legs. He still has apparently some top speed, uh, but just isn't the most graceful skater. But like you said, Brad, 
positions himself well. It's a good stick. He's reliable defensively. He can shut the play down. And by God, that's just what the Red Wings need. That's They just need someone to go in there and be responsible and do the right thing in the defensive zone and, and on the defensive game. So he's going to be a steadying force and one of the rocks that uh, Eisman brought in. I know a lot of people are going to say with what they paid Sherratt, Sherratt is going to be Mo Sider's D partner. I think Olimata would be the better offset to Mo Sider personally. And I think that could be a very good pairing. I think we'll see all combinations. Oh, yeah. Sides. I mean, the NHL season over the course of 82 games, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be trades. There's going to be hot streaks, cold streaks. So we're, we'll see a variety of pairings. But I, I think I like Mata, the concept of Mata with Sider. Mata is one of those funny players where, you know, earlier in his career, I watched his game and I'm like, this guy's terrible. Like in Pittsburgh, I, I was watching him and I'm like, he legitimately can't move. Um, but seems to be one of those players who had weird progressions and, and turned his game around and especially in LA seems to have done a lot better. So it does inspire confidence that playing his game the right way and, and with the right pairing, he can have that good defensive impact. Yeah. It's nice to have defensemen who are not on the back nine, well on the 17th hole of their career who are basically hung together with machete or paper mache and glue um yeah wrong word machete. Uh, a clap, <laughs> just another day in uh in my marble mouth um yeah so i mean only matt is not going to be a barn burner by any chance uh, by any stretch of the means but he plays good defense and once again we all go back to the coyote game when they got absolutely shelled and how many times on this podcast have i said like how weak and how soft the middle of the of the defensive zone the Red Wings are. And oh. How guys just have open space everywhere. Practically a landing strip. Every single game, it's free real estate. So Iserman once again addresses a direct need that this team has, and Olimata is very capable of doing that. While you're talking, Nikita Zadorov was uh, re-signed in Calgary. Neat. Two years, 3.75. A lot of people were talking about Zadorov as a potential FG solution. That'd be, that would have been a mean pairing him and Sider. Well, after seeing what Zadorov just signed for and knowing what the next guy signed for, doesn't help. So here's where the fears of free agency actually struck again. Um, ben Sherratt, 31 years old, traded from Montreal to Florida at the trade deadline last season for a monster haul. Um, was signed to a four-year $4.75 million contract to the Red Wings. Uh, he notably can play both sides of defense. Um, massive dude who's just kind of a pain in the ass to play against. Um, but a little bit of a contentious player in terms of how good he actually is. What did the Red Wings pick up in Ben Sherratt? The biggest grocery stick in the hockey analytics debate. So from what I've been able to gather over the course of the year, because obviously Ben Sherratt was a hot topic all year, especially leading up to the trade deadline, he's not as bad as the analytics community makes him out to be. And even Dom points out, he's like, yeah, he's not as bad as even my model spits out. But he's not as good as the old boys club in the NHL seems to think he is as well. Because Sherratt's a throwback. He's not your Mo Sider modern day NHL defenseman. He's big he's physical he plays a simple game he's got a bomb of a shot but he's not very skilled um he's not going to do anything flashy any fancy and he's prone to a lot of mistakes 
Um, well, we we have to have excitement somewhere on the defensive end. <laughs> exactly, Phil Peronic for that. He he is going to make life difficult to play again uh, for the other team to play against. Ben Sherratt, where he is in his career right now, is basically a better version of what we had in Mark Stahl. A little younger, still a little uh, moves a little better, but think a player along those lines where when the puck gets on his stick, he's not completely incapable and he is capable of doing something every now and then, but don't expect too much. Keep his game simple and and he can do all right. While the Red Wings absolutely have a use for Ben Sherratt and he is absolutely an upgrade over Mark Stahl or Danny DeKaiser or Jordan Osterley, take your pick. You don't pay guys like that near $5 million over four years, especially at age 31. You don't pay him that at 25, let alone 31. I believe there's a limited no trade clause. For for what it's worth in future episodes, as this progresses, and I'm sure Eisenman's not done, uh, we will be doubling back and talking about the details of the contracts, but these literally broke like four or five hours ago. So yeah, we're, we're working with the basic structure of everything here. Yeah. But um, yeah, so again, Sherratt is a perfectly good NHL defenseman. He's not one of these guys that I'm going to sit here and bang the table and go, oh, I wouldn't even send like put him on the roster. He should be in Grand Rapids. No, he's he's a legit NHL defenseman. Probably a good number four or five guy. I have no problems with Ben Sherratt, the player. It's simply that he got too much money, too much term. I can't disagree. I, I I understand. I completely agree with your point, Brad, actually, where you said he's absolutely an NHL defenseman who's perfectly useful and a net add to these Red Wings, like relative to what the Red Wings had. He is a very useful defenseman. He plays both sides of the ice, which is good, especially, you know, if Ronick stays on this team, Sider's going to stay on the right side. Ronick's probably going to stay on the right side. Like you need a guy who can flex around the lineup in case of injury or to mix up the pairings. There is value to that too. The fact that he can play both sides. I yeah. do find that super intriguing because when you look at the Red Wings left defense after what they did today, it's super easy to just go Wallman, Mata, Sherratt. There's your left side. And then your right side is Sider, Hronik, Lindstrom. Well, what, what was the first thing everybody pointed out when we put out those projections today? Oh, you think Edvinson's not going to make this team? Edvinson's got a very strong chance to make this team, but he's got to have a good camp. He's got to come in and do what Raymond did last year, and which is earn a spot. So if all of a sudden Simon Edvinson has a really good camp and a really good preseason, and you're looking at that top six and you go, man, Sherratt's not bad. Mata's not bad. Wallman's not bad. We don't want to pull them out of the lineup, but we got to get Edvinson in there somewhere. Well, you can flex Sherratt over to the right side. Lindstrom draws out of the lineup, and all of a sudden now you have Edmondson in there. It's That is actually very valuable on a team. If Hironic gets injured, okay, you can plug Sherratt in there and you know replace him with Osterley or whoever, whoever you want. It doesn't handcuff you, and whether or not you're bringing up a righty in Camphor or a lefty in Osterley, whatever it might be, there is legitimate value to that. Shoots left. Here's what I've landed on. I can understand the value of Ben Chirot in terms of what Eisman wanted his this defense to be. He wants his defense to be big. He wants them to be mean. He wants them. He wants them to be tough to play against, and he wants them to obviously be useful on the ice. And there is like that talent is starting to build up throughout the lineup. Uh, still has a ways to go, and Edvinson coming in will hopefully help that Wallander eventually, Johansson eventually, but still, I can. The AV is higher than I would have hoped, but the league just perceives Ben Sherratt a little bit higher than I think we do in a lot of, you know, 
a lot of other people do. And that's there. Those disconnects are real and you have to acknowledge them. That's just because this is our opinion. Florida just went and paid a, a fortune for Ben Schrott. His predicted contract was four years, uh, 5.461. So came in 700,000 under ish under projection, under projection. Um, that's it, it, the, the 4.75 is fine on its own. The four years is fine. is fine on its own where it irks me where I'm, I'm not so hot on this contract is the two of them combined. So I'm torn on it. I do see the value in what he adds to the lineup, the stability. You know, he's a veteran. He's done that. You're going to need that kind of solidity to for both the rookies and so you don't get shelled every night and so you, you don't just get dumped every night by the Arizona Coyotes. But the contract itself is an overpay for me. I think it's completely fine because in three years when the salary cap, like you guys said before, it's going to keep going up and guys, the average contract is going to be a lot higher than that very soon. If it not, if it isn't already, I I don't know what it is. Um, He can play both sides. He's a bolt on NHL defenseman and he plays, he can bang the bodies around and actually be a net positive on the team. I have no problems with with a bench rod signing, and if everybody still if everybody in the old boys club thinks this guy's worth a king's ransom on the trade deadline, he he has it's modified, right? So yeah, full details. Not, it's not yeah. full, so it might just be those high state tax or province tax teams that he doesn't that he has on the list, and everyone else is fair game. So I think there's a lot of like you can plug and play him around the lineup, and I think he'll probably still command a king's ransom once again unless he falls off a cliff and i think what evan said there is what it boils down to you want a bolt-on top four guy who's going to eat minutes and play with your stud rookie or young defenseman it's going to cost you it's going to cost you money i don't even think that's a lot of money it's if ben charat wasn't such like a an enigma in terms of what he actually is and what he contributes. If he comes in and he does the Mark Stahl, and, and I think that's selling Ben Schrott short. Like, I'm not saying he's Mark Stahl, but where Mark Stahl came in and you were like, oh, wow, this guy's way more useful than he got credit for, and he, he's, like, found a way to maximize his game, then we're going to look back. We are, we'll be the first to look back and say, oh, we were stupid and wrong about, you know, calling this an overpay at all. Um, but I don't think any three of us are saying he won't be useful for the Red Wings. My, my buddy is a diehard Habs fan, and he was telling me the – times ben sherrod is the most useful is when he's not asked to do more than what he can do which might be tough on the red wings at times (laughs) but you know if they find a spot the sweet spot with him i think he is beyond serviceable Ole mata could help him out there because if you want to if Ole mata is the superior defender and you want to give him you know the patrick kane Sidney crosby's Connor mcdavid's of the world and then ben sherrod is you know, helping along a Philip Peronic or a Mo Sider with lesser matchups, although I think Sider's going to obviously be the matchup guy, then yeah, it could work out just fine. Um, I'm not saying this contract is absolutely going to tank the team and ruin everything. I'm just, you know, for what you just mentioned, if you like the concept of a uh, Ben Sherratt, yeah, you get, it. I understand the value in a player like that, but you basically could have got that Nikita Zadora for less money and less term. I think Zadorov took a little bit of a category flames familiar. I'm, sh- I'm sure he did, yeah. And yeah. there's no guarantee that Zadorov ha- even had any interest in coming to Detroit. But, you know, guys like Sherratt you can find for less in this contract is basically my only criticism of it. A useful player, but not a super uncommon player. Well, 
I'll be candid and say for as much as I wasn't so hot on the details of the Ben Chirac contract, again, not the player. I think that's a net add to the Red Wings for as Oh, yeah, he makes the team better versus whoever the hell he's replacing. Pick any left-handed defenseman last year. For as low as I was on the details of the signing, I was way higher on the next signing, which is David Perron, two years to the Red Wings. That is a right shot forward who is uh, tough to play against, produces still, scores at a good clip still. It's not like he's lost it. And you said, oh, back in the day. Tinted visor. Tinted visor. White skates. Oh, yeah. The hockey drip. But legitimately, a right shot forward who produces and has experience and can be a playmaker and play with your, um, you, you know, top six. I was surprised. I wasn't pegging Perron to want to come to Detroit, but came in at two years, four point seven five million. Uh, his projection was three years, six point one three eight per year. That was a fantastic deal. That's, I think, one of the more underrated deals of the day. And I think that is going to be one of the sneaky good additions to these Red Wings. Any kind of um, trepidation I had about the Ben Chirot deal was erased to me <laughs> for me, but for the uh, with the Ben or the David Perron deal. I, I will go so far as to say that was the best value deal of the day in the entire NHL. Two years for, uh, let's be clear, 34 is not old. Um, thank you. Dust. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, What's your discount at uh, when you go to get coffee? Mm-hmm. Brad's allowed to go to <laughs> Costco one hour earlier than oh. the general public. <laughs> you can yeah. see exclusive shopping times. That's right. But um, yeah, because his game hasn't dropped off at all. Uh, and he's already 34. And he his game doesn't rely on speed. His game relies entirely on hockey IQ and skill. And that can keep going for a while do i expect david Perron to walk into a detroit a team where he'll have less help at forward and be another year older and score 27 goals again this year no of course not um he's been you know he's hovered like over i want to say 0.75 points per game damn near his whole career when i went to his stats he is remarkably consistent um it's about to be put to the test (laughs) yeah so obviously, though, that was playing primarily with St. Louis over the course of his career, and and they're a much better team than Detroit is and will be this year. But even a little bit of regression from David Perron gives you a 20-plus goal score, 50-plus point guy on your second line for under $5 million for only a two-year term. So basically, like almost no risk. Holy hell, that is a fantastic contract. And then it's just you cherry on top of the cake is right wing was one of the other glaring holes on the Red Wings roster. He's now one of three Red Wings forwards who shoots right. So you can put Lucas Raymond on the one power play unit, David Perron on the other. You can put Lucas Raymond on the first line, David Perron on the second line. And I think all- he's played a lot in the left wing, but he could. You could put him wherever. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys. He's so good. He can make it work. And obviously on the power play, I assume Lucas Raymond and David Perron will both play on the left side on different units. I would assume. Um, Which, oh, God. If the Red Wings have two good power play units. Oh, <laughs> you it's imagine? been years. Could you imagine the possibilities? Um so yeah, and um, adding David Perron then also allows you to kind of shield um, Pew Suter, Philip Zadina, Michael Rasmussen, Dominic Kubelik, because now these are players you don't have to ask to do much more than they can do. They will get 
easier matchups because obviously the Larkin line and the cop line, assuming Perron plays on the cop line, we'll take all the hard matchups. Um, so yeah, on top of absolutely loving the player, I really love the possibilities this opens up because now literally you look at the Red Wings third line, which will be something along the lines of Suter, Zadina, Kubelik, we'll just say hypothetically. Obviously, you could plug out, you know, Rasmussen for one of them or whatever. I don't care. That was better than the Red Wings second line for a good chunk of last year. Or a lot of last year. Honestly. One injury made the second line like terrible. Yeah, because the Red Wings might have an interesting conundrum now, and we'll get into it more because like the projection I, I put together for opening night was with Robbie Fabry still on IR. Which he will be for a while. Which he will be. But then if these lines somewhat work and things are going all right, <laughs> Robbie Fabry's your fourth line left winger, which is crazy. Now, injuries happen. Players are going to have cold streaks. I don't expect that to happen, but it could happen. It very well could. Yep. Perron has scored over the last like five years anywhere from like an 18-19 to 33 goal pace. Like the dude is still producing. Cop and Perron on the second line, if that's how it shakes out, incredibly tough to play against. You know, your third line needs help or your top six uh, can hold their own, but you're just getting dominated anytime you throw your third line out there, move Perron down. Yeah, you can get creative to open up players because we even saw two seasons ago and at the end of last season, Vrana and Zadina have that chemistry. So if you want to keep get Zadina going and you want to keep him with Vrana, all right, put Cop between those two. And then all of a sudden you've got Perron and Kubelik on your third line. No, if, if great. That's not bad. Let, let's remember for We're the last- We're towards, this isn't bad. We have to remember for the last- three to five years when we project the Red Wings top six, we're putting the players there because they didn't have six top six caliber forwards. So the third and fourth lines were just whoever the hell was left. They can get creative now with their top nine and mix and match to balance the roster, which is not something they've had the capability of doing for a long time. So if you see, you know, a a Fabry, a cop, a Perron, a Zadina on the third line. It's not the, oh, they suck now. They've lost the trust of the coaches. They're getting demoted. They're like, no, we're going to throw three scoring lines at this team and they all should be effective. I think I read, tell me if this makes any sense, that David Perron has played for, up until today, five different teams or six different teams, but all contracts were signed with St. Louis. And this is the first contract he signed with anybody but St. Louis. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So if you ever wonder if David Perron is tradable, he sure is. Yes. And like for good reason. That's just not, that's not some slappy you're throwing out. He's exactly what a team looks like to just shore up a little bit of depth offensively before the playoffs. And why not? I think he had 12 points in 13 games in the playoffs this year. 12 goals. 12 goals. So tw- so twelve points. No, sorry, nine goals, four assists in twelve games. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. I thought I heard twelve. He was a goal per so game. But either way, I was still wrong. <laughs> yeah, everybody's wrong. Everyone's I, a little wrong in this podcast. That's I, what we do. Looking at that stat page, I completely forgot he played for Vegas. Yeah, St. Louis, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, St. Louis, Vegas, St. Louis. That's how his career arc went, and now he's in Detroit. Yeah, Eisman talked a lot about being tougher to play against. This guy's a coach's dream too. Like, there's not really a part of his game where it's not like when you sign Olimata, you know you're getting that defensive guy who's not going to be a power play one QB. David Perron comes in and does a lot. And you have to say, he's been in the league for so long. I know it's overdone, but for your young players, 
especially your your young players who you need to produce, but also need to learn how to play the NHL game. David Perron's a fantastic guy to have in the locker room, and he's a fantastic guy for them to to watch and learn from. Well, the Red Wings don't have any smallish right-handed shooting uh, young wingers who don't rely on speed, but rely on hockey IQ, compete, and uh, skill. They don't have anybody like that. So what, who's he going to teach? I was trying to see if Evan would pick it up. Oh, no, I did <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what, who Brad was just describing was Lucas Raymond. And yeah, I mean, when you said that earlier today on Twitter, I was like, man, this is a team that is now it's starting to have some support internally. That's what Eisman is building in here. He is not letting this team suffer and lose, you know, and fail for Connor Bedard or anything like that. He is making sure this team has an opportunity to grow and get better and make sure its key players are supported. So Big, big, big fan of this deal. And um, unlike what you would think looking at most uh, forwards with a tin advisor and white skates, David Prawn actually plays really good defense. <laughs> hey, man, Sergei Fedorov, uh, Sergei Fedorov could have won a Norris if he wanted to. Oh, he absolutely could have. Um, the next signing was in was during such a flurry of activity for the Red Wings that uh, I think the Red Wings themselves were the first to even mention it and break it. They were. Uh, We talked about this player a little bit for the uh, NHL players who went unqualified. A million of them came from Chicago. Uh, This is the Pew Suter story all over again. Dominic Kubelik, winger from Chicago, two-year, $5 million deal, so $2.5 million per year. The projection on Kubelik was a two-year, 2.926. So came in under the projection. The term was about what was expected um, and Kubelik's an interesting player. He's not too far removed from a 30 goal season. He's going to come in and he should really help the Red Wings power play. Um, he's not what I would call the most versatile player. He's not a David Perron. What Kubelik is a guy who's on his good days, able to tread water at five on five, produce a little bit, not going to give you a whole hell of a lot defensively. Um, but he has a bomb of a shot. Um, he's got a 30 goal season under his belt and then, um, you know, kind of inched up on 20 goals the following two seasons while missing a bunch of games, both those seasons. So I think it's safe to assume he would have hit the 20 goal mark, um, left-handed shot. So you could put him on the power play opposite Perron or Raymond on whatever unit you desire. Um, but for a guy who should over an 82 game season, put up 20 to 25 goals, $2.5 million is a fantastic value. I know, when I don't even know what you want to call Monday when a ton of good players went unqualified because of the tight cap. He was one of the players I put on my short list of. Oh, so there was a list. Uh, Mister, I'm not giving you my list. If you go through my replies, uh, one person was very nice to me and I gave Who them a the list of four names. Who the hell is doing that? Yeah, we have to find them and beat them up. <laughs> yeah, they, they were nice to me. I gave them a list of four names. Kubelik was on it. And um, yeah. Yeah, I, again, fills a direct need. I, again, I think at five on five, he's probably a, a third line winger who can maybe spot fill in the top six if you need him to. Yep. Where Kubelik's value is going to come is he's going to really, really help one of the league's shittiest power plays. <laughs> Ever the poet, Brad. You can't sugarcoat that power play, man. No. There's no dressing it up. No. Unfortunately for all of us, I think Brad is spot on there. There are going to be a lot of Chicago Blackhawks fans who are going to be ranting and raving, and you just stay away from them in general. But uh, they'll come at you and they'll it's talk been, about. It's been a rough. Week. <laughs> they'll talk about how Kubalik 
has really dropped off in that rookie year isn't the same Kublik you have now. And, and I do believe it. Yeah, he was riding a real shooting bender that first year. That was absolutely not sustainable. Um, but also remember, and Red Wings fans don't need to be told this, what happens to a great player or a complicated player or a player who's just a little unique when they come into a terrible system? And Chicago has not been good. So I'm very willing to take that chance on Kubelik. And even if his best case scenario is, as you said, Brad, which I think is likely third line winger who can spot up as needed and maybe contribute the key goal off the rush from time to time, but is a force on the power play and genuinely makes your power play better. That's worth two years at a minimal AAV. Um, it's a need and it it's low risk. And, and it stops young. the power. He's young. It stops the power play from being one dimensional. He's 26 years old to yeah. what Brad was saying. He turns 27 in August. Um, so if he works out well, he's on that in that core that hopefully kicks along with the team with Larkin and Verana and Nedeljkovic. And it stops the power play from being a one dimensional. So you don't have to game plan and like, Remember last year when when Raymond, there was a couple injuries and then Raymond went completely cold on the power play? Why? They collapsed. They didn't give him an inch of space. They collapsed on him. You had another player, that goes away. All of a sudden, your second power play unit isn't atrocious. Not everyone in the metro Detroit area groans when the second power play unit goes out there. You actually have possibly two lines you can roll. So like, just to add, to paint the whole picture... We know that Bertuzzi and Rasmussen will be the net front guys in all likelihood. We know Sider will be one of the power play quarterbacks. So where the Red Wings always struggled was the half walls and the bumper, because even if you had a good guy like Lucas Raymond on the half wall, it was easy to game plan against. Now, if all of a sudden your first unit going from left to right is Raymond, Larkin, Verana, and your second unit is Perron, Kopp, Kubelik, it gives you a whole new dimension. You got two units that they have to game plan for. And in all six of those positions is a legitimate scoring threat. It makes the power play night and day different because you cannot game plan for one point of attack. Okay. More to come. But before we get to the rest of our conversation here, I do want to tell you that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement, like today. <laughs> there are so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus, there are tons of fun with unique bet types, like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. See, this is the risk of doing this episode right now. We have to. I'm, I'm on. Uh, I'm taking Mel on a much deserved vacation tomorrow. Uh, but during the ad break, 
it came out that the Canucks might be moving Niels Hoaglander because they want a young right-handed defenseman. What, How young? 12. 15. So what, what did you say in response to that, Brad? By God, that's Philip Hronick's music. <laughs> <laughs> we could do this whole episode, all of these projections, and the roster is going to be looking so much different by the time we talk again on Sunday. We need to put an expiration date on certain podcasts. I'm really excited for that McDavid Hoaglander Perron line. It's, you know... It's going to be a, a little <laughs> bit tough to make them the second line, but they'll have to be. I don't know fans will be very happy that they've landed all three of those players. <laughs> and I still don't understand why the Blue Jackets signed Goudreau just to retain half salary and trade him to Detroit. <laughs> he, he wanted to land in Michigan. He actually he accidentally <laughs> overshot it a bit. Um, we'll, we'll get into roster projections here in just a moment. Uh, the Red Wings made two depth signings as well. Um, Matt Luff to a one-year two-way contract that's a depth signing likely more grand rapids than anything else and austin uh zarnik a who is a uh, center right winger um 29 luff is 25 zarnik's 29 again a two-year contract um two-way as well so another depth signing i think you, you need depth it opens up options that's uh that's the Red Wings free agency group. Why don't we talk about overall impressions of all of Eisman's work so far as of 9 p.m. on July 13th. So if and when he makes a move, a trade, another signing, whatever, just know that we will get to it in next episode. But as of right now, what are your overall impressions of Eisman's work? Obviously, a huge positive on the day. Overall, great day. Um, I don't think the Red Wings are a playoff team yet. So I know... A lot of people were jumping immediately to that today. What I will say is they're definitely going to be pushing for it and they've got a chance. I'm not going to sit here and say they definitely won't make the playoffs, which uh, 24 hours ago, I would have absolutely said they're definitely not going to make the playoffs um, as the roster stood. So greatly improved. But what I think the key thing when you combine everything that happened today and over the last week, because obviously we got to include Vili Huso in this, there is nowhere on this roster Eisman does not have flexibility. He can do basically whatever he wants, whether that's acquire more players. And, you know, if you have to push a guy like Rasmussen out of the lineup because you have too many good forwards, great. Um, if he decides to trade a Tyler Bertuzzi because he's got a fantastic package coming back in return, he can do that. Are you laughing at fantastic package? Yep. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> true to your, true to your brand, huh? <laughs> um, you know, if he wants to make a move to ship out a Philip Peronic for, you know, whatever, he has the depth to do that between Sherat, Mata, Osterly, possibly Edmondson coming in. If one of the two goaltenders don't work out this year, he's got options to move one of them out now because you almost forget that he signed Okanor earlier in the year, earlier in the summer as well. So I I think it's exciting because if he does nothing else for the rest of the summer, it's a good summer, and this is a good team going into the season that will be pushing for a playoff spot. If he decides to go buck wild and make a billion more moves he could he's got enough depth to make things happen now in whatever direction he pleases without sacrificing this team improving this year if he wants to go out and sign andre palat tomorrow he can do it because he still has 11 million cap space so he made the team better 
He brought in some significant assets. He brought in some minor assets. He brought in some gambles, all while maintaining $11 million in cap space. Yeah, here's my impression about the playoffs conversation. If Ottawa didn't go in and bring in Debrinkit, um, Giroux, they moved Matt Murray, they brought in Cam Talbot, and essentially whatever new version of of uh, Pierre Dorian that they have right now that's making me look like a dummy for a little while back saying the Ottawa Senators might have a Pierre Dorian problem depending on how he manages his team moving forward. I would say the Red Wings are a lot more likely to push for a wild card spot. Boston, you know, bringing back Krejci likely and, and Pasternak's, um, they're working on Pasternak and, and Bergeron and everything like that. That's all in favor of Boston as well. So I think the long story short here is the Atlantic did really well. It's an arms race. It is. And, and that's just the unfortunate reality sometimes of, of teams in Detroit's position. You can do a lot of things right, especially when you've been your hands have been tied for so long. But if everyone else gets at least as good or almost as good as you as you improved, then your your net improvement in the standings is going to be a little bit mitigated because you have to play those teams so much. But here's here's what actually matters. The Red Wings are now a full NHL team. Like you said, Brad, they're not only flexible in a lot of different areas. They've addressed every need to some capacity. Are they perfect? No, God, no, 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 no. But there's no part of this lineup where you're looking and you're like, there isn't something there. There's no part of this lineup where you're looking and you're like, that is a decrepit hole. I'm almost embarrassed to cover that and say, oh, the Red Wings first first pair left defenseman, Jake Wallman. Like that's, Eisman has had enough very clearly and he moved in the direction where the Red Wings are now going to be a full NHL roster. They're going to be harder to play play against. I think they're going to hang in way more games, and I think they're going to move up the standings overall. I like what he did with this team. I think overall, in terms of who he brought in, I love it. Brought in guys who I didn't even think would want to come to Detroit. He addressed a lot of needs. In terms of the contracts that came in, The overall, as a general average, I think he did a great job on AAV. I think he did a decent job on term. I understand why he had to sacrifice on center, and I would have done. I, I would have advocated for the same thing at that position. Is the Sherratt deal my favorite? No, but to bring in someone like Sherratt, who is viewed so favorably around the NHL and NHL circles, probably a similar conversation to Cop. So, all in all, this Red Wings team, I'm not going to call them, you know, a wagon, but they could they're definitely not a wagon absolutely not a wagon they're not a wagon but maybe a wagon with two wheels that's more two more wheels than they would have had last year someone's still got to power the wagon and pull it but it's a it's a wagon listen mo mo larkin and raymond are trying they're trying i think this team is going to be a lot more competitive and i know that's not a hot take but seriously like this team ain't bad do you know how much you just want to rip your eyeballs out watching the previous iterations of the red wings yeah if it wasn't for like if it wasn't for the three players you guys just named on the Red Wings, I would have had to bash my head against the wall most nights. More than I already do. And you know, in the in the worst of years, sometimes we were doing that. Thank goodness, yeah, for Mo and Raymond at least coming up. Yeah. So at the end of the day, for me, it's the the floor has been raised on this team. There's there's no guys really anymore who are hanging on for dear life in the NHL, just trying to stay in the league. They finally have some respectable veteran players who who can help professionalize the young guys. 
And hopefully this leads to less wooing in the, in the LCA. <laughs> Raising the floor is exactly right, Evan. Like, that's what they did. You know, it's funny because you're supposed to take everything Eisman says with a grain of salt. And that's good advice. And he actually has said before, don't listen to anything I say. And I think that's also good advice. But the one thing he's repeated most often has been what has held true. He wants to make this team better. And I think some people were hanging on to the idea of like, let's call it what it is, tanking or sucking for one more year for Connor Bedard. But Eisman said, no, I want to make this team better. He understands what he has in Raymond. He understands what he has in Cider. He understands what he has in Larkin and Bertuzzi. And, you know, you have to believe the Larkin contract apparently is close and is trending well. You have to think the Bertuzzi one will follow, or at least that's what Eisman will try to do. I don't know where the Bertuzzi camp is. Um, he wants to take advantage of what this team has now and make sure that they don't backslide. You mentioned that early in the podcast, Brad. You can't go backwards. Not only did he make sure they didn't backslide, he moved them forward more than I really thought was possible in one free agency period. Blown away by the amount of... I did not think the Red Wings would be this active or pretty much the most active team. Yeah. If you, if the listener, if you, the listener, had a nickel for every time one of us three said it doesn't move the needle you'd have a lot more time to listen to this podcast because you wouldn't have to go into work. The Red Wings made five needle-moving moves today, in one day, in a few hours. And maintained all the flexibility they need to keep pivoting if necessary. They could still be a destination for a cap dump. They could still be a big player at trade deadline to acquire more assets for the future. Because again, what I think that it's probably worth noting, what the East probably comes down to is you have seven teams that are probably really, really, really good bets for the playoffs in Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Rangers, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington. And then you're going to probably have New Jersey, Boston, Ottawa, Detroit, Islanders competing for that one spot. But the Red Wings will be competing for it. But if they're, you know, five, 10 points out of the trade deadline, hey, now we've got an eye back to the future. And all of a sudden it's not going to it's not like last year we're losing one player at one position, just absolutely yeah. screwed Tyler, an entire position. Tyler Batuzzi not playing the Canadian games, and it looks like an abs- an aberration. Yeah. yeah, a dumpster fire out there. Yeah, yeah. So it again, there's so much flexibility, and this could open up the possibility too, where maybe we don't see a Jonathan Bergeron early in the season, but all of a sudden a Bertuzzi or you know someone else goes at the deadline up front. Hey. Bergen, you're getting the rest of the season. Have fun, buddy. Something like that. So I don't know. I'm I'm actually excited going into a Red Wings season for the first time in a really long time. Not again, because I think they're gonna get to the playoffs. I, I still think it's unlikely. But just because uh, this is gonna sound so pessimistic, but it it's it's true. They're they're actually gonna be tolerable to watch for an entire season for the first time in a really long time. The Red Wings will at points make noise. And honestly, the playoffs question, my answer is an automatic no. And here are the wacky scenarios in which they make it in. I actually have to think and assign a percentage. And I don't think that's like, a, oh, five, six, seven percent. I, I, you're, you're talking significantly higher than that. And if things go wrong for one team ahead of them, you know, the chemistry doesn't shake out or. Matt Murray is not good. Or Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg suck for Ottawa and and it doesn't work out over there or Boston just completely falls apart. Like there are several very real scenarios where the Red Wings are making a lot of noise in the playoff race here. And again, at the risk of repeating ourselves, at the very least, they are going to be fun to watch at the worst tolerable. 
And that is a privilege we a haven't had in a long time. huge improvement. Eisman said, if I have to watch this team from the box every game, I'm going to make sure I'm getting my money's worth. So that's what the Red Wings have in terms of what they brought in. And Brad, you've alluded to this quite a bit. This has serious roster implications. I'm going to read out um, your roster projections here. That for you- opening night. For opening night. And this is with Fabry on IR. So you have Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond keeping that line together. And this is, again, there has been no Steve Eisman press conference yet or media availability. So... I very much get the impression that he's not done. No, I, I, it's nothing but a gut feeling, but I really feel like there's a somewhat significant trade. I think there's a trade. Yeah. I think Steve Eisenman is up to something. I don't know if it's Bertuzzi, if it's Ronick, if it's Zadina. I don't know, but I feel like it's going to be one of them. Uh, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, Verona, Kopp, Perron, Kubelik, Suter, Zadina, Ras, Valeno, Sunquist, uh, Sherat, Cider, or Mata Cider, and then Hronik. Wallman, Lindstrom, um, that is obviously Sons, Simon Edvinson, so he'd have to push one of them out. Huso and Ned and Net, Ernie, Smith, Osterley on the outs, and then whoever Edvinson pushes out, or if Edvinson doesn't make the team, then he's in Grand Rapids, and that's that, and Fabry on the IR. So that is a... Sounds like a trade somewhere in there, just purely based on the math. Here's the thing. There are a lot of teams looking for a right-handed defenseman. And I think at points we're too rough on Philip Peronik based on how much he produces. But I, I also think league perception of Philip Peronik is much higher than his actual value. So he could get a haul. Look no further than what Bedesharat got at the deadline <laughs> in terms of overvaluing a defenseman who can play on the right side. That inspires me to say someone might overpay for Philip Peronik. The Tyler Bertuzzi, again, those trade rumors have been around forever. He plays the kind of game that every NHL coach and GM wants, and he's had a couple rough negotiations with the Red Wings in a row. We don't know where that's going to land. And Philip Zadina, for as much as you know, a lot of people want to give him more time, and he's still so young, you don't want to give up on a guy too soon. He's been shopped around by the Red Wings before. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him and the loan unlocks something in him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they deal him if they think they can get someone of value. I don't want to say they're completely out on Zadina, but they have definitely explored the opportunity. So, And those are just three of the names you listed, Brad. That is a packed roster. A packed roster. They still have $11 million in cap space there. Palat is still available. There are a lot of guys in the trade market. There's still more reclamation projects out there. That Strom is still there. Dylan Strom, Sam Steele, Danton Heinen, like those young mid-20s forwards who haven't fully lived up to their potential yet, but there could still be something there. And we know Eisenman's had success with players like that before, obviously Fabry being the most notable notable example. So, you know, and actually Pew Suter, another good example of that. So there's there's still value to be had on the market. Um, I don't think there's as many defense floating around in that same boat, but there's teams like apparently um, if the Red Wings are interested in moving Hronik, uh, Pittsburgh's been shopping John Marino. So if they're looking for a right shot defenseman. Marino would be a great pickup. Yeah. There is so much flexibility st- here still. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I would actually put money that by this time next week, we have another significant move. It's almost I don't know if I'll to- say by this time next week, but by the season, start of the season. So if you had to guess, what would it be? I can't shake the feeling it's Bert. Yeah. He's got such a high demand around the league that he he would obviously get the biggest return. The Red Wings now all of a sudden have a lot of forwards that could fill that spot. Not a lot, but like we've talked about, they have flexibility. 
Um, and the Red Wings are obviously going to be better this year, even without him, but probably still not a playoff team. Yeah. If there's a time to absolutely max out his value now, I mean, I t- joked about it before the, um, episode, but like the big brain theory could be, okay, well, plot still out there, sign him to left wing and trade Bertuzzi for a haul. That would actually, yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Not, you literally replace Bertuzzi with a very comparable player. Not age-wise, but it <laughs> but would make yeah. a lot of sense in terms of making sure your team doesn't yeah, back, you, backslide. You give up no assets to sign Andre Pallad, and if you're going to get a first-round pick and a prospect in return for Bertuzzi, that would be a tidy piece of business. Again, not saying that happened. That still has to, A, Pallad would have to agree to come on to Detroit without a horribly over, horrible overpayment. And B, a team would have to really pony up for Bertuzzi. But, you know, how many teams struck out on big forwards in this uh, free agency so far? A lot. Apparently, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Devils were very hot to trot on Goudreau. They didn't get him. So, it could still be, a, it could still be there. What are your thoughts, Evan, on the rest, how the Red Wings roster is composed? Do you think any big moves are coming? How does it shake out? Like I said, the math indicates that something's probably going to need to give. Um I think there's candidates all over the roster, like you guys said, for a move to be made. Um, I just think it'll be it, it, the team's going to be exciting for once. Not, I shouldn't say for once, but on a nightly basis, I think they are much more competitive than they were yesterday. The amount of the amount of names still out there, the amount of moves still to be made. It would have been hard to predict in a year where the cap is only going up by one million. This is a this has just been a wild free agency. Where's Nazem Kadri going to go? Why did Johnny Goudreau go to the Columbus Blue Jackets? Like, there's just so much to be said about what happened here. Why is Brent Burns in Carolina? <laughs> Why did Max Pacioretty go to Carolina for free? <laughs> for free, for free, legitimately. Like, it, my future considerations. My first thought was. Um, if they were just giving them away, why didn't everybody else pick up the phone? Yeah, what is that about? Is there a like what is a future consideration? To be fair, there wasn't a lot of teams in the league that had the cap space to eat his contract. But if teams knew they were giving him away, there were teams that would have made the cap space for him. Apparently not Philadelphia. Well, okay. Why don't we talk? Are we good on the Red Wings for now? And we'll circle back later if we need to. Let's talk about the rest of the league. Sure. Philadelphia. There's there they may burn that city down right now. They are Philadelphia fans are pissed and I think they're right to be. Do I need to run into Chuck Chuck Fletcher? Do I need to run into him next? You might need to, yeah. I can I can do it for a price. You might need to give him the golden touch. Because apparently Johnny Goudreau was willing to sign in Philadelphia at a discount. There were like texts between him and Hayes talking about how he wanted to like play a Philly. Huge discount. Not a discount, but like just throw in some ham sandwiches and I'll I'll come for the rest of my career. The cheesesteaks are worth it, man. If I was an NHL player, pay me a mil less just to be around those cheesesteaks. Anyhow, he was willing to and Chuck Fletcher didn't want to pay what the league was demanding for uh, them to take JVR off his hands or even Ivan Provorov. And they were asking for the 2023 first round pick, which I mean, I would too. I, I want that pick desperately for Detroit. And you almost have to respect... Chuck Fletcher staying, standing pat there, but not considering the rest of the moves that Philadelphia has made. They, if they simply didn't sign Tony D'Angelo and Rasmus Ristolainen, 
they'd have a Johnny Goudreau right now. It's that simple. It's the most like reactionary way of going about business. So you, you just you just do the hot move that day. Doesn't think five seconds forwards or backwards. No. Bizarre. And so where does Johnny Goudreau land where it looks like if it's not Philly, then it's New Jersey. As everyone expected. Or the Islanders. Columbus, Ohio, baby. Yes. Yarmo, and for 9.75 per year over se- uh, times seven years. And, and that's a lot of money to be giving to a player who's going to be 38 years old or whatever. But he did just score 115 points. Regardless, depending on whether you think this is fair or not, that is below what the market was willing to give him. He got an offer of 10.5 from Calgary. Yeah. He left almost $15 million on the table total um, from what Calgary had. That is the most ludicrous thing. I, this whole situation, I do not understand. I've always been fascinated by that, Mark. How rich do you have to be where it just doesn't matter anymore? Apparently, it's somewhere over $64 million. For him, I guess that it is, that's what it is. Um, good for Columbus, man. That That's a market I've always, like, I hate Ohio, but like as a team, I've always had a soft spot for them because they've had a pretty rough go of it. Um, you know, they have that one good playoff run and then lose all their good players that summer. But if you Columbus had a very, um, Detroit day in the sense of if you ignore that one defenseman, they signed (laughs) for four years, man, are they in good shape? They signed good Branson with four years, four by four, which if that talent attracts talent, they signed good Branson, then they get Goudreau. I'm just saying that. Good Branson contract when it came out after the Sherrock contract made me feel a lot better about the Sherrock contract. But you look at all the first round picks they've had, all the talent they've added in the draft, and now they get a Johnny Goudreau on top of that. Can you imagine Johnny Goudreau just teeing up Patrick Line for a season? If you want to unlock Patrick Line, that's some way to do it. That's a hell of a way to do it. Um, you know, they just drafted Juracek, Matejcek. They got Ken Johnson last year. I mean, this is a team on the up and up, and good for them because. It's nice to see the teams that you don't expect to land the big ticket free agents land the big big ticket free agents. If you would have put a list of teams together that from likely to least likely would get Johnny Goudreau, Columbus is near that bottom of the list. Someone asked me, they're like, hey, I know it's an outside shot, but what do you think about Goudreau? And I'm like, look, it's not impossible. The guy has to want to come here, though. I don't think Eisenman would scoff at the idea of Goudreau, but he's going to want to come here. Ignore the price. Ignore the term, which I think that would be a hang-up. I think he wants to be closer to Philly. I really didn't think he'd go further than New Jersey, but Dylan, or sorry, Ryan Strom signed with the Ducks five years times five million. That feels bad. I feel it's about what you expect, I think, in my mind. When did um, that happen? Did I miss li- Just now. I was going to say, I missed that one today. Um Oh, these are coming in hot yeah. off the press. He was one of the guys that I seen a couple articles along the lines of uh, buyer beware. Let's uh, let's think about some 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 of the bigger contracts, impressions of them. Um, we're by no means are we going to be able to capture all of these. Oh, a God, lot of this no. is going to be have to be captured. We're getting Sunday. less than twenty percent of them. So we talked about Goudreau, good for Columbus. Honestly, excellent for Columbus. Bizarre. I no one would have predicted it, and you would have been crazy if you tried to. Uh, Jack Campbell, five years, twenty-five million with the Oilers, and with that, Toronto trading for Matt Murray, twenty-five percent retained for a third and a seventh, and letting Jack Campbell walk. I've thought about this a lot, and I'm not as critical of it, but I still don't love it for Toronto. Oh, I don't like it at all for Toronto, and I liked the Samsonov signing more than most. Uh, Matt Murray, even if he 
returns to form and is a good goalie, he can't stay healthy. And with Samsonov, he's been so inconsistent and is young enough that, you know, he could still get that together. But for a team, for the Leafs, a team that is firmly in their cup window, you figure they'd want some certainty at that position. Yeah, I can see a world where Murray or Samsonov like gets into it this year and he, and becomes a legitimate starting goalie, but that is a hell of a gamble to make. Um, you know, especially when Jack Campbell goes to Edmonton for five million a year. I know that's a lot of term for Jack Campbell, but he's probably a safer bet than the two guys they got. And you're paying Murray basically the same cap hit, but for only two years. I understand that. I can understand the argument that Jack Campbell five times five isn't the solution for Detroit or for for Toronto. I think if the Matt Murray one works out, that'll be the most Toronto thing ever because it by all rights it doesn't look like it's a long shot. Right. They're they're hoping some They're throwing a Hail Mary. It is a Hail Mary. And I can see the basis for it. His there's some underlying numbers there that suggest that he could rebound to form. Um Samsonov is another player, another goaltender who his peak was among the highest of his, you know, cohort and his at his worst, he was one of the most unreliable goalies in the league. That's a couple Hail Marys though for a team that has not we shouldn't be doing that. They don't have much more time to be risking it at goaltending. Like that's what it comes down to. A lot of people will say, well, what were they supposed to do? And okay, I can see that, you know, St. Louis might not want to deal with, with Toronto, how they dealt with Detroit, but I just, I don't know it's a hail Mary. Uh, good for Edmonton, I guess, for getting their guy. I don't know that Jack Campbell's worth a five by five, but you know what? At least Edmonton is willing to pony up. Well, a lot of good teams who win have legacy contracts that suck ass. That's and, how it goes. And you, you know what people say? Who cares? We've we won with these guys, and if we've got to pay them terrible money or we got to ship guys out because we made these contracts, who cares? It's a cup tax. It is. Austin Matthews gone two years anyway, so who cares? <laughs> um. Well, and also there was rumors going around that Toronto's plan A and plan B for goalie – uh, both didn't make it to free agency today. Which so it's a bad plan. Was it Vili? It had to have been Vili Huso, right? I, I saw rumors for uh, Flurry and Huso. So that's that's a bad plan. <laughs> that is a. You bad. know what you do when you've got a plan? You go and execute it. Yeah. Now you go wait trade for everybody else to find a dance partner. You trade a third round pick to get it done. That's that is why Jesse Blake from the Steve Dangle podcast screamed like that because Eisenman said, "Well, a lot of teams need goalies, so I'm going to pay the third round pick to get it done." <laughs> I love that clip. Adam reading it out. Philly Huso to the Red Wings. Jesse, no! <laughs> uh, I feel. I honestly do feel for that fan base. Um, okay, some other contracts here. Claude Giroux immediately to Ottawa. That's a great deal. Good for the, uh, good for Ottawa. A hot Pierre Summer. Hot Pierre Summer, baby. Burakovsky, five years, $27.5 million to Seattle. I like that for them. I have no idea what Seattle's plan is. Like, I can't wrap my head around anything they do but i like andre burakovsky a lot and i think that's a pretty reasonable contract for him uh chris drury signing i think the most new york rangers slash chris drury contract there is vincent trocek love that fit love that player yep yep 5.625 per year perfectly acceptable average for vincent trocek seven years good god why that is a big risk no that that, that's gonna be their legacy contract i think they're hoping so the reason okay I think I tweeted about this today, but just in case it didn't, 
it's different context that contract in New York versus Detroit. The contracts Detroit signed today, years two, three, four matter way more than this upcoming year. With New York, it's the inverse. The first four years of that Trocheck contract are what matter because they're in their cup window now. So if they get a cup in the next three to five years, they do not give a crap how bad 36-year-old Vincent Trocheck yep. is because they have their cup. That's fair. These are the types of contracts I fully expect Detroit to sign when they're in the Rangers position. And, you know, guys, whatever, let's say... Uh, you know, we have, we still have Edmondson doesn't pan out hypothetically, and we still have no left D and you just go overpay the, one of the best left D on the market and way too much term, but it's like, okay, we gave him an eight year contract. We want to win in the next four years. So who cares? So I, I, maybe there'll be a lockout and they'll get compliance buyouts. It's, it's a contract. I understand and don't hate for the Rangers. It's a contract. I'm very happy. The Red Wings didn't sign. Darren Helm resigned in Colorado. Good for him. Hell yeah. Andreas Athanasiu signed with the Blackhawks. Ew. That, I, I don't, that hurt. They signed him and Domi? Max, Max Domi. They had to put someone on yeah, the ice. I guess. Uh, Mason Marchment to Dallas, four years, 4.5 per year. I like that for them. After it was reported that he was going to Carolina. Has John Klinberg signed yet? Not no, yet. he has not. Yeah. That's, you want to get real weird with that 11 mil? Detroit was sniffing around on Klingberg. He's really good. Um, term would scare the ever-living hell out of me on yeah. that. Darcy Kemper yeah. to Washington for a boatload of cash. Analytics community loves Darcy Kemper. That they they a lot of people think that's a really good contract because he was he's been nothing but great until he damn near had his eyes gouged out. So Troy Setcher signing for the Coyotes. Uh, poor guy just wanted a nice, quiet existence. Arteri Lekkinen uh, extends in Colorado four years, $22.5 million. Phenomenal contract. Nick Letty. Detroit and St. Louis just <laughs> exchanging all of their players. I mean, Eisenman like, is very well ahead in that one. Yeah. They signed Letty and Grice. Yeah, they got Letty, Grice. Um, we got Perron, Sunfist, Fabry. Who so I think we're I think we come out ahead in this one. Four years times four million. I don't know. I understand <laughs> sure. Nick Letty's more valuable on a better team, but that's that's a decision. It makes me feel better about the Sharat deal. Yeah, honestly. Ilya Mikhaev, four years, nineteen million in Vancouver. Imagine giving that's basically giving prime Darren Helm that contract. So think of that, whatever you will. Vlad Nemesnikov signed with the Lightning. Yep. Ew. Yeah, I know a lot of Red Wings fans wanted him back. Speaking of the Lightning, uh, holy hell. Mikhail Sergachev. God, I wish the Lightning were my employer. Yeah, Mikhail Sergachev, eight years times eight and a half million dollars. Can someone please explain to me the Sergachev boner that Tampa has? Because the number of times I see him get walked and I don't see a massive offense. I mean, he's great with the puck. Someone okay. Someone just explain to me, Miguel Sergachev, please. Poor man's Victor Hedman. <laughs> well, clearly not a poor man. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, uh, you said explain him as a player. I did. I the finances are not my. <laughs> here's the thing. I understand Tampa Bay wants to lock up their 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 guys. Um, it's not going to be easy for them to lose Palat, and I'm not like. It doesn't correlate positionally here, but I'm just saying in terms of losing key players, okay. Is this the same Tampa Bay who signs all their other contracts? Because eight and a half times eight years, there's almost no give there from Sergachev. Like, no. That that is a it's an player-friendly over- deal. It's an overpay. But hey, thankfully they didn't overpay any other players for eight years 
today, did they? Eric Chernak, eight years, 41.6 total. That is a $5.2 million per year deal. He is a great defensive defenseman. Anthony Sorelli, eight years uh, times $6.3 million. He's never scored 50 points in a season. Sorelli is... Sergachev and Sorelli, I... They're, these are all very good hockey players that are overpaid now. It kind of it kind of feels like Tampa Bay fell in love with those two players and just opened up the checkbook. It, it feels like when they realized that they weren't going to keep the band together, they got scared, so they did whatever they could to make sure they keep the band together. Unfortunately, they got Ringo. Unfortunately. Well, fortunately for us as yes. Red Wings fans. Um, some other ones, uh, Evander Kane returned to Edmonton, Evgeny Malkin obviously returned to Pittsburgh. Um, the 8x8 that St. Louis gave Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas is sneaky good. I don't think the rest of the NHL appreciates just how good Robert Thomas is. I actually think that's a great deal. I think yeah, it's age really well. I, I do as well. There's a lot that happened. I'm almost scared to keep talking. We didn't about even it. talk about the trades. <laughs> Pavel Zaka got traded to Boston, right? Yeah, yeah well, they were freeing up space for Johnny Goudreau. <laughs> oops yeah I, well i mean if yarmo hijacked my plane i'd be a little terrified as well pavel zaka for eric Halla. um there was yeah, new york got rid of the patrick nemeth contract carolina acquired brent burns and lane peterson um brent burns with 2.72 million dollars retained and they gave up steven lorenz e2 uh, Makanyemi, a 2023 third that's conditional. It'll be the lower of Carolina's two 2023 third round picks. So Carolina's adding players here. How old is Brent Burns? 36. Ageless. Any answer you gave, I would have been surprised. <laughs> I believe he's 37. So what does he do with all his like elephants and lions? Well, on his Zoom call there? today, they were behind him. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Connor Brown from Ottawa to, to Washington for a 2024 second and Vegas donated one Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin for a total cap dump of uh, over 7.75 million in exchange for one of the most popular traded players of all time, future considerations. So bright future that one. I don't even want to know what has come through the pipeline since we started recording. Like I caught a couple of them, but mayhem and we're not done yet there are still a lot of big names left there those, those trades are why cap flexibility is a way bigger asset than people seem to think it is vegas ran themselves so hard into the cap they literally had to give away max patch Redding. san jose has so many bad contracts they essentially had to give away brent burns while returning retaining salary as of right now, the Red Wings are still top 10 in overall cal- uh, salary cap space. And there are teams below them who have more, sorry, more cap space above them who uh, have more players to sign. So, you know, we can bitch and moan about the Ben Sherratt signing all we want. And you can say, oh, that's a lot of UFA players to bring in. And it is unrestricted free agency, the best way to shape your team. But the Red Wings are still ultra, ultra flexible. They can do a lot. They can sit on that cap space. They can wait. They can spend it next year. They can use it to facilitate a trade or a signing for another team. Um, They can squeeze it out of, I guess Philly's not doing it, but take them as an example. They can squeeze it out of uh, Philly by taking on a Provorov or Van Riemsdyk and and getting a high asset from them. It's an exciting time to be a Red Wings fan. You could have had two signings and it'd be an exciting time to be, it'd be an exciting time to be a Wings fan, but they had five. And there still could be more. There could still be a trade. 
There's going to be guys halfway through next year who I misquote to be on a team just because of today. <laughs> Legit, I could hardly take a breath. The the cross-eyed SpongeBob meme, that was me trying to keep track of everything. I'm the first time the Red Wings play Carolina, I'm going to be like, why is Brent Burns? Why is there a homeless man on defense for Carolina? And you're going to say it's Brent Burns back. When did that happen? Yeah. Clip we'll pl- it. Mark my words. That's going to happen. 100% that's going to happen. All right. Uh, anything else in terms of um, free agent frenzy? And again, folks, we are going to be coming back to this. Uh, you know, we haven't even had the Eisman presser. We haven't even talked about how Cop and Larkin have played together. And now Larkin is Cop's captain. We haven't talked about whatever Eisman's going to do next or whatever else happens in the league. Anything else for us we want to cover before we jump into overtime here? Probably, but hell if my brain can compute it at this point. Did David Krejci only leave the NHL because he hated Bruce Cassidy so much? Quite possibly. (laughs) Yeah, and apparently Bergeron is now back to coming out of retirement after saying... Yeah, yeah, Bergeron is likely to come back. Yeah, he, he was, and then he wasn't, and now he is again. Boston must be mad about last year. I, I feel like they probably could have, they feel like they could have done more, right? Yeah, probably. And they didn't, which makes me happy. And they have that one year left of, of Pasternak at 6.7. So, okay. Um, before we jump into overtime, I want to thank you all. Um, you may have seen on Twitter, we, we were really bad at celebrating milestones. Uh, I get super squeamish whenever I try to like celebrate ourselves. I get awkward and I want to throw up and it's die. The Obama medal meme. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. Um, we peaked during the our overall peak was number three in America and I guess the hockey world. Um, and this time, this draft season was number four of all hockey podcasts. Period. And we are a team specific podcast, so that puts us in around like Spit and Chicklets, Thirty Two Thoughts, etc. And for a team-specific independent podcast to be put up there, like the amount of support you all have shown us, we can't say thank you enough. Uh, we've a little while ago surpassed 2.5 million downloads. You know, over 600,000 times uh, episodes have been viewed on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna throw up and die even doing all this, but it's literally the craziest thing in my life it, by it, a long shot. By by an absolute long shot. Like we talked and about, and that that's coming from a man who owns a private jet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he calls it a PJ. I learned that in Succession, which is loosely based on Evans. Got to really make sure you pronounce the <laughs> P strongly. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, for Evan to show any modicum of emotion and say it's the craziest thing to happen in his life, it's been an uh, absolutely insane seven and a half years. And for you all to put us on, you know, up with that immense company. There aren't words that we can say to you to properly thank you. And our whole job here is to say words to you, to convey information. So uh, for lack of anything better, thank you. We are very excited to keep this thing going, make it bigger and better for you. And um, we are beyond humbled. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable now. Can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get into overtime where um, the heartbeat of this show, our Patreon supporters uh, get their questions read out on air um, as our way of saying thanks for supporting the show. For the Patreon questions that don't make it to the main episode, we also record a Patreon exclusive right after this. And it's a bonus little mini episode where we uh, loosen up a little bit, swear a bit more, um, but answer all of your questions all the same. So patreon.com slash podcast if you want to uh, help support the show and uh join the dub dub club okay um 
the first comment that came up on the thread when I posted it was really funny. So I want to read it out. It's from Yako Ruta who said, is this not one of the worst possible times to do the show? Everything you talk about will be moot. Well, Yako, there were five different major or at least significant signings for the Red Wings and you still might be right. But uh, hey, the show must go on. Okay. Um, question here from Logan Burgos. <laughs> he says, hey guys, new patron. Uh, Logan, welcome to the Dub Dub Club and thank you for your support. He says, I was told to make fun of Brad and I'll just say this. I met Brad at the Second Wind Wheel podcast night and can confirm that he's short as shit. Logan, thank you for that. I don't know who paid you to say that, but we really, really appreciate the it. fun part about that night is the number one comment I got all night is, wow, you're not as short as Ryan makes you out to be. Evan paid a lot of people to say that. He felt I was being too mean, so he wanted to tilt the scales. I don't believe that for a second. You don't believe Evan's Evan a- would do something nice? No, absolutely not. No. Not for you guys. Um, <laughs> the, the, see the contempt in his eyes when he said that? I rest my case. Babe Landeskog in a Stanley, is a Stanley Cup champion says, attempt to answer this as unbiased as possible. If you're a UFA right now, what is the draw or sell to come to detroit uh money cap space so you can give the money but no in reality it's you're getting in at the beginning of the window and if you're one of those players who values having a big role in something like that it's appealing and you know i absolutely get the appeal to that you come into a team right at the beginning of something good and then you get to be there for the whole ride and, you know, I think any good player can look at Detroit and go, yeah, they're going to be very good probably soon. And when Steve, when you look at your phone and the caller ID says Steve Eisenman, you're probably like, wow, that is insane. If you're a free agent pickup, if you're a GM, absolutely do not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's the Eisenman effect. I mean, think of how many free agents quote the GM. I'm not saying there aren't other good GMs in the league, but how many press conferences have we seen where a player, Perron, cop whoever says yeah steve eisman calls it that's pretty important or he was my idol or look at what he's building here we joke about the eiser plan that's not just a, a, a bit on a podcast like the the verbiage or the name might change depending on who you're talking to but people really do believe in what he's building and tampa bay is a testament to that so yeah players who want to win will come here and they'll come for a little less as we saw today and it all sort of started with like the bobby ryan when he signed right like you know, Bobby Ryan isn't the answer. Wasn't the answer to all Red Wings issues, but he started part of the snowball that led to you know better players resonating the same message. Coyote season tickets in Tempe says Pittsburgh is making the same mistake the Red Wings made. I get that Hextall wants to keep the band together for as long as possible, but his moves this past week have been very reminiscent of what Holland did between 12, 2012 and 2017. If Hextall is unemployed with uh, within the next 18 months, I will be less than shocked. I think it's different when it's Crosby, Malk, and Latang, but I think the overall sentiment is, yeah, they're running out the clock without much of a plan for after, right? Yeah, well, I don't entirely hate what pittsburgh's doing because they got a bunch of cups out of it already um their prospect and pick cupboard is bare so they there's they know the cliff's coming so they're at the point of yeah we have three legitimate superstars let's just keep the band together and hopefully we can string together one maybe two more runs because again it just takes one playoff for everything to go right and all of a sudden you know it, it looks all worth it I don't think it's going to happen for them. And in the big picture, I agree that they probably should have started to tear this down. Um, 
But I again, they're just delaying the inevitable, so I don't think it makes a huge difference. And again, it's Crosby, Malkin, Latang. And Pittsburgh was really good these playoffs. They were one, two, three goalie injuries removed from probably beating the Rangers in the first round. Uh, just a little layer of confusion for the Johnny Goudreau thing. Oh, God. Uh, apparently, the Devils offer, Johnny Goudreau accepted 9.75 per year. Apparently, the Devils' offer was well north of 10 million per season and included signing bo- bonuses left he left a chunk of money on the table to sign in columbus i'm telling you yarmo hijacked the plane i am very confused this is the most fun chaos that re- the nhl has had in a long time kevin durant is a non-story in the sports world now johnny Goudreau is a top 10 favorite player for me now this is just fantastic theater um benji says eisman saw sakic lifting the cup again and said hold my beer how does signing other top six players affect bertuzzi would it make him more likely to want to return since we're more likely to win does it give bertuzzi less bargaining power cheaper since we now have other options does it push him out the door in a trade all are possible i i hate to give you a non-answer but that's the reality let me just dive inside tyler bertuzzi's brain I think I, I genuinely think the most we can get from this is the ball is in Bertuzzi's court. Because if Bertuzzi signs for a deal that's even halfway reasonable for the Red Wings, the best outcome here is that Tyler Bertuzzi is a Red Wing long term based on the game he plays, and the Red Wings have cat flexibility with what to do with him, right? Yeah. Um, if it looks like the rebuild's not pr- progressing or they're not going to be competitive within the next few years, then you can deal them. But that will come with Bertuzzi giving up trade control. It'll come with Bertuzzi giving up a certain amount of cap, whatever. It so, allows Eisenman to play a bit more hardball, too. It does. He, does. he doesn't desperately need Bertuzzi in that spot because there's nobody else that can fill it. Well, the Red Wings have players that can can hold down the fort now. So if Eisenman says, you know, Bert, we want to keep you. Here's our number. And Bert goes, yeah, I'm not getting anywhere near that. Okay. Um, Miss Days says, in light of an entire forward line being added and Bergeron uh, pushing from the AHL, who has played their last game as a Red Wing? Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, cheap answer. Mark Stahl. You might, Giovanni Smith might have a hard time cracking this lineup. Adam Ernie is definitely on the outs right now um, because he probably doesn't have a spot as the roster is constructed now, and then he'll have Fabry also coming back to compete for a spot. You want on my hot take? Tyler Bertuzzi. Well, Philip Zadina. I was going to say Zadina. We've, we've given Bertuzzi and we've given Hironic the airtime for either of them to move. We talked about it earlier this episode. I think it might be Zadina. I it, think it th- might be, but I still feel like I at least want to see what Lalone can get out of him. I do too. I do too. I would, that would be my preference, but I would not be surprised. And he's going to be able to play a very sheltered role this year. Now with the forward group constructed as it is. Um, all right. Well, we have time for a f- couple more questions here. Andy Hogg, who's a brand new patron. Uh, Andy, welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Says, are these free agent signings an indication that Stevie believes the Wings have a majority of Stanley Cup contending team in the prospect pool right now? Seems like he's definitely making a push for the playoffs. That's an interesting concept. I would say yes. Um, because with the way the team is, you got to assume the best prospect that they will acquire from here on out was Marco Casper because they're going to be picking lower and lower and lower every year. So 
Yeah, unless uh, he's really, really super confident that he's going to get a Johnny Goudreau level player in free agency or trade. Yeah, the core of this team's got to come from within now. So it, it is, you know, and what would that core look like? Well, Raymond, Sider, Edvinson, uh, Johansson, Wallander, that they're uh, Soderbloom, they're going to have, and Casper, they're going to have to all carry their weight for a good chunk of this team all right folks uh we have plenty more patreon uh questions and overtime to get to here we're going to get to that in a patreon exclusive overtime which posts soon after the episode goes up so for all of our patreon supporters you get to listen to that little mini episode as well where we answer your questions and goof off a little bit Um, that's as much as we can cover for day one of free agency today Everything else that happens, we will be covering you. If you're not already, follow us on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod and then follow all our, our personal accounts as well. So, you know, if we don't have a podcast up that day, you can still follow along the content on Twitter. Uh, all of our socials, we're on Instagram. If you're on TikTok, we're on TikTok, Facebook. Um, and if you're not already, subscribe on YouTube as well. Uh, folks, thank you all so much. The draft episode was this massive, colossal episode. The, the, the trade, or sorry, the free agency episode is this absolute force to cover especially when you have insane days like this and uh without your support we couldn't do it so thank you all for tuning in uh we'll be back with you on sunday night for an update on whatever else steve eisman and the rest of the nhl comes up with so for all who have tuned in thank you all of our listeners for all of you who have left us ratings uh on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify wherever you get your podcasts it makes a big difference and we really really appreciate that um are the sponsors of this show, the FanDuel Sportsbook, all of our Patreon supporters. Um, seriously, you know, I did all that emotional spiel, spiel earlier that made Brad and Evan really uncomfortable. That starts and ends with the Patreon supporters. Like, we don't get here without you. So thank you all so very much, especially our name-level sponsors, uh, Akefer, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Nicholas Brodeen, uh, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, uh, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutanananaluski, Arjun, I'll say your name again, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Connor Chauvy, who I believe is a brand new name level sponsor, uh, Connor, welcome to the Dub Dub Club, and I'm sorry if it's Scovy, um, Coyotes, Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Doesn't Tuesn It, Evans Farmer Tan, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hassam Alkasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Scott Martin, Sean Levine. The whole day has been one big laugh, Sherat. <laughs> uh, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam, Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog is a Stanley Cup champion, Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Darren Ficarelli, Dave W., Dungeon Master of Puppets, Darren, who moved up to name level sponsor. Thank you all so much. Uh, Evan's Bankrupt Parking Garage, Evan's Bingo Card, um, G-Rated Snowblower Joke, Griffy Boy, um, Jack the Bassist, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Burgos, brand new name level sponsor. Thank you. Marco Casper. Hey, wow. Thanks for supporting the show. Matt Keeler, Matt S., Maximilian Cheesebags, Papa Woody, Porn, Star by Day. Thank you. 
uh, new name level sponsor. Appreciate that. Puck Norris, Revy DeLuca, Thick Rick, Trevor Pepevar, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so very much. Day one of free agency. Ugh. See you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.